All right, I have a feeling this is going to be a good one today. Uh, joining us to talk music education, guitars, trade associations, uh, you name it, is Chris Martin, the CEO of Martin Guitar, located uh, right here in Pennsylvania. Join us for this interesting chat on today's PMEA's Take Note podcast, presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Take Note. I'm Mark Despotakis. Uh, great to be here with you today. And we have a fantastic guest here today, a Pennsylvanian uh, who uh, is, uh, is part of the music industry. And, and you've probably heard of Martin Guitar. Do you know that they're located in Pennsylvania? Uh, and if you don't, you're going to find that out today. Joining me is uh, the CEO of Martin Guitar, Chris Martin. Chris, thanks hey, for being Mark. with us. My pleasure. So good to see you. Congratulations on your, on your new job. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it is great to see you and congratulations to you on your uh, close to retirement here in a couple months. Thank you. Yes, yes. And, and I'm rolling off the NAM board after. Right. So two more than more than seven years, <laughs> which, yeah, you know, but didn't it go by fast? Until the last year. The last <laughs> okay, year went, fair enough. Went pretty slowly. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. So we'll get into that. I want to talk a little about the, the yeah, NAM okay. piece here in a couple of minutes, but let's yes. talk a little bit about Martin Guitar. Okay. Um, Pennsylvania company in yep, Nazareth, yep, Pennsylvania. Yep. Uh, what's the thumbnail sketch history for those who, who don't know? And I know it's a long history, but- yeah, I was gonna say, this, we're going for what? Three, four hour, the <laughs> short story? Or, okay. Yeah, so CF Senior, as a young man, worked with his father in a little town called Mark Kirchen in Saxony, making furniture. That's what my family did. But in that town, they made musical instruments. You know, a lot of those Eastern German towns made musical instruments, you know, violins and whatever. And he became curious about the guitar, the guitar, ancient instrument. But by that point, it was working its way up into Northern Europe and really becoming fairly refined and quite popular. And he said to his dad, he said, you know, thanks for teaching me how to make furniture. I'd really like to make guitars. He goes, I can't help you. I don't know how to make a guitar. Why don't you go ask the violin makers in town? So he goes, and they were pretty dismissive. They were like, oh, young Martin, you know, your father has a good furniture business. You should stick with that. And the guitar, it's a fad. Hmm. It's not going to be popular much longer. So you're wasting your time. He's like, I don't know about that. So somehow or another, I think it was his father got him a job in a guitar making shop in Vienna, Austria, working for a fellow named Johann Stauffer. And Mr. Stauffer's claim to fame, I think, is that he invented the Fender headstock before Leo Fender did. But you have to pick, you have to see a Stauffer guitar to kind of get what I'm saying. Learns how to build guitars, spends many years there, meets a woman from Vienna, marries her, goes home goes back to Germany, I'm gonna hang out my shingle in town, comes back and while he was away, the violin makers had gotten into the guitar business and said, Mr. Martin, you're, not a, you're, not, you're a cabinet maker and you're not a, mus a musical instrument maker in Germany, you have to apprentice. He said, that's why I went to Austria. I'm in a hurry, I'm not apprenticing. That's, that's why he left, I think, Mark. He said, this, this is crazy. He had some friends in the new world, they said, come on over, plenty of opportunity. Packs up the family, now two kids, sails from Bremen to Manhattan, opens a shop at 196 Hudson Street in 1833. I don't think his wife was happy in New York. It was pretty rough and tumble back then. And they had some friends who had moved from Europe to Pennsylvania. And they came out to visit. And what did they find? 
a transplanted German community. People spoke German, they cooked German food around the holidays. It was the same kind of traditional German holiday that they were used to in Germany. And my family has been in Nazareth ever since. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, so then the, the, the company grew obviously yeah. in, in Nazareth over the years yeah. and, yeah. and has really gone through, you know, I know you've talked about this a lot as we navigate the pandemic has really gone through so many ups and downs yes. during the history of the company. Yes. And, and I think Mark, the, the real point of that is we're still here, right? You know, any company is going to experience anyone in life you experience up and downs, but we've managed to survive all of them, including the Spanish flu over a hundred years ago. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and actually survive and thrive in many of those instances, you know. Not always at the same time. Sure, sure. And in fact, if you look back at our history, it's, I, once in a while, I'll just go back and look at production totals and sometimes I'll graph them and I did that once, it was back during the Great Recession. And I said, there's gotta be a way for me to explain to my colleagues that we've been through things like this before. So I looked at our production totals. And what was interesting is you could superimpose economic debacles on the history of how many guitars we made. We're up, there's an economic debacle. We drop down, but we recover. Mm -hmm. And think, Mark, after the Spanish flu, after World War I, what came next? The Roaring Twenties. So who knows? Right. So that's right. Who knows what's coming here in the next yeah. uh, few years? Uh, one of the things that is on my post-pandemic bucket list is to get yeah. out to Nazareth and get to the museum out there. Well, we're closed. Well, well, after the pandemic, I'll, I'll be <laughs> yes, there. I'm not yes. coming soon. Uh, but but uh, I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, because I don't know if people realize that that you have this full museum that yeah, celebrates sure. okay. your history. Yeah. Yeah. When we reopen mm -hmm. and I'm hoping it's sometime this summer. Right now, we're under a very strict protocol at work. It's pretty much if you're a guitar builder or you support guitar building, you come in after you answer a bunch of questions with your temperature taken, you wear a mask all day. Well, that's not really conductive to tours, right? Right. But yes, we get people from all over the world. They want to see their guitar being made. So you take a factory tour and the museum, not only does it have what, 170 guitars in it, it tells you the story of my family's business over the past six generations. Yeah. And, and uh, a few years ago, I got a book uh, from you guys about the history. And yeah. it is, I mean, if you really want to take some time to, to delve into it, it's, it's really fascinating just from a historical perspective, but then yep. as a musical nerd, it's, it's oh, fascinating. I know. And, and, and you know, for any of us that like history, nobody really remembers famous musicians from the 1800s, but if they were guitar players, they probably played a mark. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. And, and, and uh, I, I just, you know, that's funny that you say that because, you know, I'm, I come from the school band world and I, I guess I never grew up thinking, well, this person plays, you know, played a LeBlanc clarinet or whatever, oh, but, okay. but, but the guitar world, as I came to discover during my years in the music industry is very, very, very brand loyal. Much. Right. Who, who played my guitar? Right. I want the same guitar Eric Clapton played. Right. You're probably not going to get the exact same guitar, but we can make you a copy. 
Right. <laughs> so, okay, I encourage people then after the pandemic to add yes. uh, add the museum to the list. Yep. Check, so, check our website. As soon as we're open, it'll, we'll let you know. Yeah. And there's great content on the website too uh, uh, about your history. So if, yeah. if you, yeah. you, know, you want to find out about that. Let's talk a little bit about how you got into uh, into working oh, at Martin, yeah, sure. Because uh, sure. I know that 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 wasn't necessarily that original plan, you know, in no. our, in your early twenties. And what's interesting now, Mark, is I've really become fascinated by the dynamics of family businesses. So what happened is my mom and dad got divorced when I was three, and it was nasty. And so my mom didn't encourage me to really pay any attention to the Martin side of the family. I would go and visit my grandparents in the summer for a week. And as I got older, you know, I putz around the plant when my grandfather went to work. But it, my mom's like, you know, just do something that you love. Well, I grew up thinking I would want to become a zoologist. And then I thought, wait a minute, I might want to apply to the University of Miami because it's very warm and I could be a marine biologist and I can go scuba diving every day. Well, it turns out I talked to someone and they said, you spend most of your day in a classroom in a laboratory. But anyway, <laughs> and my, then a friend of my dad's came to visit the factory. He was from Los Angeles. It's a Martin dealer. And we got talking. I was working one summer in the, in the shop, but still planning to go to University of Miami. And he said, why aren't you going to join the family business? I said, Fred, I don't know anything about it. He said, I understand that, but does it interest you? I said, I must admit, it's quite fascinating the more I get to learn about it. And my grandfather was beginning to try and encourage me. He saw that there was the possibility that Christian Frederick Martin IV might actually want to join the family business that had his name on it, right? So he said, why don't you, you know what? Why don't you come to LA, apply to UCLA. They'll take you because you're out of state, you're full pay. And you can work in my music store. I said, that'd be cool. So I go out to LA, go to, and UCLA is a big school mark, 29,000 kids. I'm this dorky kid from PA, oh my gosh. And I'm working in the music store. And at one point Fred said, you don't really know what you're talking about, do you? I said, Fred, I told you that. I don't know anything about my family's business. He said, okay, you're not a very good salesman. Why don't you go out back and try and repair guitars with John Carruthers? And John was really gracious. And at some point John said, Chris, you don't know how to repair guitars either. <laughs> so I called my mom up and I said, I need to learn about my family's business. I'm quitting college and I'm gonna come back and work in the factory. Well, my mom didn't say that was a great idea, right? You're quitting what? <laughs> right. no, no, no. So I did, I came back, lived with my grandfather, which was really helpful. And then both my grandfather and my mother said, if you really wanna join the family business, you need to get a degree. So I started at Northampton County Community College mm. and I'm still very supportive of them. Diane's been on the board. Um, and then my mom said, okay, that's a great stepping stone from UCLA, which just blew me apart. Community college, small classes, right? So I ended up at Boston University because they had an undergraduate business program. And I learned the language of business. Yeah. And that's helped me. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really a fascinating story. Of, you know, we, we all have these these winding stories of how we get to where we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the NAM piece in a second. But sure. first, I want to, uh, you know, indulge me and, and tell one of my favorite Chris Martin stories, uh -oh. yes. which is and, and I, I'll preface this by saying I'm not sure if this this one is would count as good dating advice or not. Yeah, but right. I want you to tell the story <laughs> of how you met Diane and, yeah. and, and your wife, you, Diane, your All wife, right. and, and, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. your first date. Yeah, okay. So I'll tell the abridged version. 
And now, you know, the punchline, the couple of punchlines, one is Diane's on the board at Martin. She's the vice chairman of the Martin Guitar Company. She's also on the board of the Martin Foundation of which she is the vice chairman. So I had to go to a meeting down in Lederick. I'm in Nazareth and it was our, the fellow that did our advertising. He had a studio at his home and then he had an office in Philly. So Lederick was quicker than Philly. And I had to get some stuff down there. It was before, you know, you could do it on the computer. So I got a little, I have a port at a portion 944S. So I load the stuff in the back and I, I'm late. I don't like being late. I'm in a hurry. I come over the hill in Bethlehem on 378, coming down the bottom. And there was an old abandoned gas station. Sure enough, there's a cop and I'm moving. Light goes on, pulls me over, gives me a ticket. Every car magazine I've ever read said, if you have the opportunity, you should consider taking a hearing because you never know. So I'm like, take a hearing. So I figured, you know, I'll plead not guilty. I'll send this in. Someday I'll hear back. I get a letter marked like two days later saying, dear Mr. Martin, your hearing's Thursday. I'm like, holy mackerel, I don't know what to say. I, I don't have a plan. So I'm like, hey, wait, I got it. So I, I'm ready. I show up. And the funny thing is, Mark, I kept looking at the ticket and looking at the hearing notice. I'm like, that's odd. So we get to the hearing and I'm sitting there and Officer Repnick comes up because he's, he's got to be at the hearing, right? And he sits next to me. Now we don't make eye contact. And I'm, I'm single, I'm young, I'm looking over and I see the judge and it's this old woman. I thought, oh my gosh, looks like she's been doing this a long time. I also see over to typewriter, a young secretary. Well, all of a sudden the young secretary gets up, puts on a judicial robe and says, Mr. Martin, I'm District Justice Diane Repnick. It's time for your hearing. Okay. So we go into courtroom. I sit down. Officer Repnick sits down. District Justice Repnick sits down. And she looks at me and she said, Mr. Martin, I need to disclose to you that Officer Repnick is my cousin. And if you don't think you're going to get a fair hearing, I will recuse myself. I will call one of my colleagues and we'll reschedule. I said, no, I'm comfortable. Let's go. She goes, okay, Officer. Repnick. Later, I, I was comfortable calling him Eddie, <laughs> but not that day. Please tell me your side of the story. Mr. Martin caught him with the, it was the not radar. Local cops still in Pennsylvania right. cannot use radar. Right. So they use that toggle switch thing and they have to be certified because that's a way you can always try and catch them. Bring your certification to the hearing because like an attorney will go, when was the last time you were certified? Well, I wasn't an attorney, so I didn't know that. So she says, okay, Mr. Martin, please tell me your side of the story. I said, may I use your desk? She goes, I guess. So I roll out this big piece of paper and she's looking at it, Officer Rep Repnick's looking at it. And I pull out a little porch, Porsche, Porsche matchbox and a little truck and a little police car. And I made this argument that there was this truck next to me and we might've collided. So I had to get out of his way. And that was the best I could do, Mark. And she goes, huh. And by this point, Diane and Eddie are laughing. <laughs> as I'm reenacting the crime with the matchbox. And I'm like, well, this is a good sign. They're both laughing. She says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to drive on that road tonight because I live near there and I'm going to see if I saw what you saw. So I go to, out to lunch the next day. Remember those pink while you're out notes? Yeah. While, right? So yeah. I come back and on my desk, you know, District Justice Repnick called. She gave you five over. So that's what I learned, Mark, is that's a negotiating opportunity. Five over gives the officer credit. 
I wrote a ticket, right? So, and the state gets revenue. You will pay for this ticket, Mr. Martin, but the state does not notify your insurance company because you did not get any points. So I called Diane up and asked her out on a date and she agreed. And of course the ultimate punchline is, I got a life sentence. <laughs> okay, so in that story, uh, like I said, I'm not sure if it's dating advice or not. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I think know. more so in there, it is it is how to uh, to effectively uh, go to a hearing if you've been caught speeding. There, I'm sure on the internet there's lots of how-to guides right. on how to beat the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's just one of my that's one of my favorite Chris Martin stories. So thank you for sharing that. And she uh, still thinks I drive too fast. <laughs> Uh, so let's let's shift a little bit to uh, okay. to the NAM world. So most yeah. folks know what NAM is, the International yeah, good, Trade good, Association. Good. Yep. Yep. Um, and and so I had the good fortune of of getting to know you uh, through our work there uh, when I was yeah. on the board, yeah. and even before that for some music yep. education advocacy things. Um, but as, as you as you alluded to here, you're in your seventh year of being yeah. on the NAM board in NAM yep. leadership current chair of NAM. Yeah. Uh, I think folks know that normally uh, we converge on Southern California once a year for the NAM show, um, yeah. trade event, but education, a lot of things, kind of the, the, the big moment for the music products industry. Yeah. Um, didn't happen this year. And no. uh, you've, been, you've been at the helm here through the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just curious on what, his, what has it been like for you leading this large association during yeah, these okay. times. Let's talk about a normal year for the chair, because I think then you can put it into perspective. Because I, I started out, I was on the big board. That's, I think that's the first chance that you get to know everybody. And obviously someone remembered that, hey, Chris might be a potential XCOM member. So Larry Morton tapped me on the shoulder at one NAMM show and said, you, you're at the top of the list. Would you like this opportunity? I said, let me talk to Diane. Okay, sure. So I'm secretary for two years. Treasurer. Now, the treasurer is interesting because you get a look under the hood of NAM from, on the financial side, and that's important. Um, NAM's done a really good job of taking the, the money that they make. They're nonprofit, but they, they generate excess. And they've taken that excess and they've done two things with it. They've saved enough of it to support the organization through trying times like this past NAM XCOM members did this on our behalf. They made the decision years ago to save enough money to carry the organization through a year when there might not be a trade show. So thank them, mm -hmm. certainly. And we've got the foundation. So NAM has been taking some of the excess excess and pushing that over into the foundation. As I'm about to make my transition from secretary, from treasurer, to vice chair. And previously the role of vice chair was to kind of observe the chair, right? Like watch how they do it. So when it's your turn, you know how to do it. So I'm getting ready to watch Robin, right? As she moves up, cause she was vice chair, Mark was, and then Larry, you know. So just about the time she's ready to move up, Nam was advised to split the foundation off of Nam make it a separate entity. And so the decision was made to make the vice chairman of NAM the chairman of the NAM Foundation. So I'm the first 
chairman of the mm -hmm. NAM Foundation. Now, of course, it's Joel because he's vice chair. Joel Menchie, who a lot of folks Joel will know. So I'm watching Robin and I had watched Mark and, and Larry and you, certainly you are crazy busy at trade shows, particularly Anaheim. You just go from here to there. Like, we need you here. 20 minutes later, we need you there, right? So I did one of those last year. Then what would happen is if it happened in Frankfurt, I really missed the Frankfurt trade show. That was another big, important trade show in Europe. Um, that has kind of migrated to Shanghai now. So Frankfurt didn't happen. Then what would be next? There would be a board meeting. And our, our board meeting was supposed to be in Hawaii. That was canceled. So that hopefully we're gonna to get to do that before I roll off as being chair. Then it'd be the summer NAMM show. Oh, then we'd go to Washington, right? We would go to Washington to lobby. That's that, I mean, how powerful is that? I don't think Mary will ever use the term storm the Capitol again, mm -hmm. though. <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> right? Then we have summer NAMM, then we have the fall XCOM. So uh, the only thing I got to do this year, and plus you would, Joe and I were gonna to go to Japan because Japan has a little trade show every other year. And Joe said, we're gonna to go to the show, then we're gonna go down to Hamamatsu because that's where all the instrument makers are including Yamaha, and these are good customers of NAM. So we're gonna go say hello to them and thank them for their business. So I missed all that. I am hoping, and Joe said, of course, that when Joel is chair and Joe and Joel go to Japan, I'm gonna meet them there and we're all going to Hamamatsu because I haven't been to Hamamatsu in 20 years. So what's different is Joe, we would talk once a month, XCOM would talk with Joe once a month. We're talking weekly now, Mark. Yeah. We have on our calendar, it's, so it's Joe Lamont is the CEO, Chris Martin is the chairman, Joel Menchie is the vice chairman, Tom Sumner, the president of Yamaha is now the treasurer, and Chris White from White House of Music is the secretary. So that's the cadence now over the next couple of years. And Joe was the one that said, I don't wanna to lose touch with our members, but I cannot have a trade show. If I have a trade show right now, we'll all get arrested. <laughs> so what do we do? And I think he must have talked to Mary because they said, we've got to move beyond the commercial side of this endeavor because not all of us are doing well. The guitar business is good, Mark. It's very good. The small keyboard business is very good. Instruments that work really well by themselves that you can play at home. I think that's one of the reasons that band and orchestra struggles because you want to do that with a group of people, right? right? You don't want to play your oboe by yourself. Right. <laughs> so Joe said, we've got to do something. So then they had, well, okay, we probably can't use the old providers because this is not a physical show. We want to have some kind of a show, but we want to celebrate, right? Believe, Believe in, music. in music. That's what we want to celebrate. And we want to try and have a fundraiser. So I thought, okay, I, as I took the lead as the first chairman of the NAM Foundation to write a nice check. And Joe at one point recently said, Chris, you are the largest giver now to the NAM Foundation. And then I thought, okay, I'm rolling off as chair. We're having this big event. So I pledged, but I said, I'm going to pledge this money. I'll give it to NAM if NAM can go out and match it. He said, I'll give NAM $100,000. That's how good the guitar business is right now. And I need to give back. And we need to remember, Mark, that not all of us are doing that well, and I know it. And so I wanted to share. We raised half a million dollars. Wow. Yeah, That's incredible. How cool was that? Yeah, That's so incredible. I want to thank everyone who could afford to give, 
forgiving because this money is going to be rapidly deployed. And, you know, during Believe in Music Week, I heard Joe speak a lot about these are $10 donations. These are $20 donations. Sure. And, and yeah. so there were that many people engaged. And of course, there were larger ones yeah. along the way, too. Yeah, but yeah. there, were, there yeah. were so many people engaged. Right. And it went to so many wonderful, uh, in, important groups, including the National Association for Music Education, of course, which PMEA good. is closely aligned yeah. with. Yeah, so, good, good, good. So, and you know, um, Mark. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Were, were you on the seminar the other day with Mary and Lynn Tuttle? Yes. There's some good news in there. Yes. There's some really good news in there, Mark. The thing I think we need to, to tell everybody is that the government has set aside music for schools. The government is not going to come to that school and just hand the money over. Right. The school has to ask. That's, that's what, we, the, the, what we have to do, Mark, is remind the schools the money's there. You have to ask for it. And we hope you ask for it for the music department. And, and so let me do a, a plug on that. Uh, go to PMEA.net. If you go into the advocacy tab, we have a section about this. What we're specifically talking about is this ESSER money, which there have been two rounds of this money. Uh, it's, re, it's, it's, it's part of relief package money coming yep. from the federal government. It is not recurring. So it's one, it's, well, it's now two time funds, but it's, yep. this is not going to be an every year funding source that schools really have a lot of leeway to use uh, this money in, in ways that they see fit. And again, if you go to our website, we have it listed uh, ways that you can specifically use this money for music education. But Chris, you're absolutely right. The key is you have to ask. So right. you've got to go to your administrators and ask yes. for this money and say, here's right. how we can use it. And again, we've spelled that out for you. Good. Um, yeah, and good. we're happy to help if, if you have questions about it. Uh, our contact information is on there as well. Um, so and Mark, I, I know, bring that up. You know Pennsylvanian... Those of us in the music business in Pennsylvania, we're working this hard. You know, we don't just go to Washington; we go to Harrisburg, and, right. and remind our elected officials how important education and, in our world, music education is. Yeah, right. And, and so, and, and and let me throw you're just you're teeing me up perfectly here today. <laughs> uh, March 16th is our virtual advocacy day at, at PMEA. Uh, we would normally be there uh, yep, in person yep, in Harrisburg. Yep. But uh, for those of you listening to this before the 16th, um, we hope you'll join our call to action on that day. And, and, and all that information will be at PMEA.net. If you're a PMEA member, uh, you'll certainly get the emails about that. Um, but I do want to talk briefly uh, about kind of the work of the NAM Foundation and, and going to Washington, uh, because I think that's where actually you and I got to know each other yeah. Uh, yeah. over the years, traveling back and forth across the Capitol. In fact, one of my yeah. absolute favorite pictures that I have, and it's hanging on the wall in my office, okay. is the two of us together. Yeah. We are on the, the train, the tram system oh, underground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We were going from a Senate meeting to a House yeah. meeting. And if you've been in D.C., it's kind of complicated yeah, yeah, yeah. to navigate. Uh, and, it's in, and so this, this is, there's this train system underground that's designed for Senate and staff. Uh, so it's we a were, long way. And if you have to, if yeah. you have to vote on a bill, you've got to get there. Yeah. Right. So we were lucky enough to get a ride on yeah. it and kind of being a little political geek uh, of enjoying, yeah. you know, that type of stuff. Uh, I just love that picture. Um, well, and but, that, that was when we got to ride on that because we had an escort. Yes, we had a staffer from Senator. That's Kitty's not office. for tourists. That's, exactly. 
you have to either have one of those little badges or you have to have an escort. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we, we lucked out there. Uh, that was a very cool experience. But but uh, as part of the work of what the NAM Foundation does is is going to Washington, yeah. as you've pointed out. And this year, uh, you know, unknown if you know we'll actually be able to go in person. Well, what, so the, the the plan right now, Mark, is to have a small group of people go, if we can. That's right. the plan. Yeah, it's right. still we still it's not gonna we're not gonna be able to go with as many people as we have in the past. But that right. doesn't mean that they shouldn't advocate other ways. <laughs> exactly. And, and and so Nam and, and our, our our good friend Mary Larson has been so smart in coming up with ways that we can all still advocate uh, be, you know, even even if we're not with a delegation that goes to Washington yeah. and yeah. even finding ways to delegate to to our local schools using some messaging that's consistent Great. across the, the country. Good. Um, so, uh, you know, so let, let's, let's tell the folks that are watching what it's like, right? So you, you, yeah, have so to I was just contact, you contact the office, Cindy helps with that, right? Cause Cindy used to work in Washington, my colleague, Cindy McAllister, you contact the office and you say, we will all, we're all coming to Washington on this day. We want to talk about music education. Oh, okay. Can we have a meeting? Let me look. Sometimes we get to meet the big person, right? Sometimes you get to meet the staffer. You never know. We hope we're going to meet the senator. We hope we're going to meet the congressperson. But if you meet the staffer, you pitch the staffer. And oftentimes, who does the work? The staffer, absolutely. The staffer, right. And Mark, the coolest thing is, and you know, we are coached on this, immediately try and find common ground. Who doesn't love music? Who didn't at least try to play a musical instrument? It breaks the ice. We have such a good story. I don't think all the meetings that those people in Washington have, have such a good story. Right. We're very fortunate. And, and that, that template that we use there is the same template folks can use in Pennsylvania and Harrisburg. Yes. It's the right. same template they can use with local decision makers right. uh, as well. And, and find that connection, find that person in the organization that loves music or played an instrument or still plays in a band, something. And you'll just see, right? They're like, yeah, I get it. Right. What do we do? How can we fix this? Yeah. Exactly. And, and so then that 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 funding ask that is generally is what comes with so many of these things yes, just becomes right. a natural fit because the right. connection and then yes. you share the story of the impact on yep. students. Right. And you almost always see that light bulb. Right. Go it's off. not controversial. <laughs> exactly. This is not a controversial that you're exactly right. All. Yeah. So, uh, so Chris, I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking oh, a few minutes fine, to talk yeah, today, my pleasure. Uh, covering a whole bunch of topics and, and, and we'll again remind folks I, to go, go ahead. Well, I have a favor. Sure. Can you contact Mary and let's get a date on the calendar. Let's make believe that the factory is gonna be open to the public in the fall. So if you get a date on the calendar, you come up and I'll show you around. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely, we'll do that, and 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 I, I will I will do that within the next twenty four hours uh, for right. sure because uh, okay. I want to come out there. Uh, so, Chris, thank you for your inspiration uh, and Thanks, all Mark. the all the wonderful work that you've done at Martin and with Nam. Uh, and so for much. taking some time. Uh, and to all of you, thank you for joining us on PMEA's Take Note podcast presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. We want to thank our sponsors, the Bucknell University Music Department, Lebanon Valley College, and Robert M. Sides Family Music Centers. We'll see you next time.